Heavenly Father, we thank you for another opportunity to come into your presence, to be with my brother and sisters, to be able to study your word and be able to receive the things that you have prepared for us. We thank you, Lord, for what you're doing in our lives, for where you have brought us safely, especially through this pandemic. We thank you for providing all of our need according to your riches and glory by Christ Jesus, blessing us so that we can be a blessing to others. Continue to remember our families this morning, near and far, asking you to watch over them and keep them safe. Continue to let your Holy Spirit draw them closer to you, that your perfect will may be done in their lives. Continue, Lord, we lift up our president, his cabinet, our government, and those who are in authority over us, our governors, our mayors, that we might live a peaceably and quiet life in all godliness and honesty, that you may be glorified in this world that in which we live in, that your kingdom will come and your will will be done in earth as it is in heaven. Now, Lord, we thank you again for this study. Bless all those who will hear and those who will receive this study today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. God bless you. Amen. Any questions before we begin our study today? I don't know. I don't have anything. All righty. Well, hope you, hopefully you'll have some during the lesson. All righty. So our title for our lesson today, as we move from what we've been talking about, for the last several weeks, facing life challenges, overcoming challenges, problems, obstacles, temptation, testing trials, dealing with them, overcoming them victoriously. And uh, so today we're going to be talking about the power of godly believing or biblical believing. The power, you can write that topic down, the power of godly believing. And when we say godly believing, we're talking about believing according to the Bible, Bible believing. And uh, earlier this week, I sent out a text. I don't know if I sent it to both of you, or just one of you, or to others. And uh, the text basically gave four steps. And those four steps I would like to deal with uh, in this Bible study, and if we don't complete it today, Lord willing, next week. But um, if you have a pen, I want to remind you of those steps that was in the text. And if you have a pen, I'll give you all four of them. And these are the areas of study that I would like to, uh, to deal with today in our lesson. Step number one, decide what you want. Step number two, Believe that you have it. Step number three. Believe that you deserve it. And step number four. Believe it is possible for you. Any questions about these four steps? Um... No, not, well, decide what you want. Um, no, we're talk we'll, we'll go, keep going. Okay, we're going to talk about all of them. We're going to start with the first one. Decide what you want. 
And why is that so important in our relationship to God and in our prayers um, and our faith? Why is it so important for us to decide what we want from God? When we say what we want, we're talking about God's perfect will for us as believers according to the Bible. And so in order for us to decide what we want from God, it's important for us to know what's available to us. And know what God's will is for our life. And what God expects of us. And so when we talk about deciding what we want, everything begins with a decision. It begins with a choice. And God wants to know what we want and what we choose and what's our decision. Especially when it comes to God giving out his blessings. So what I like to do is go to the Bible to answer these questions and see what the Bible has to say about them and what we can learn from the examples of others who had to deal with these same questions. So uh, let's look at St. John, the Lord's Gospel according to St. John, chapter 5. Deciding what we want from God. And why our decision is so very important to God. Uh, this should be a pretty familiar story in chapter 5 of St. John. Uh, I don't know if we've studied it before, you've studied it before, but uh, we're going to go right to the heart of this question. So I'm going to do uh, the readings, uh, chapter 5, verse 1. And I'll probably go down to verse 6. Okay, are you there with me? Amen. Chapter 5, verse 1. And after this, there was a feast of the Jews, and Jesus went up to Jerusalem. Now there was at Jerusalem by the sheep market a pool, which is called in the Hebrew tongue Bethesda, having five porches. When I was in the Holy Land, I had an opportunity to go to this very site in the town of Bethesda and actually see these pools that the scripture talks about. And in verse 3 it says, And there lay a great multitude of impotent, weak people, blind, halt, withered, waiting for the moving of the water. So we see a backdrop here of the condition that the people were living in at the pool of Bethesda back in their day. And it's not much different than what the conditions are in our society today with so much sickness and so much death with the virus and all the other maladies that are going on in our society today. The conditions are pretty much similar. Verse 4. For an angel went down at a certain season into the pool and troubled the water. And whosoever first after the troubling of the water stepped in, was made whole of whatever disease he had. Can you imagine that if there was a place today where you can go jump in a pool and get completely healed of whatever was ailing you? Can you just imagine what that scene would be like? Um, It's almost like um, the lines we see of people standing waiting for the shot 
for the coronavirus. Hundreds yeah. of people standing in line, getting up early in the morning, waiting all night into the day just to get a shot. Mm. Um, not to mention all of the politics involved and people who are wealthy and have a lot of money. Uh, I think I saw on the news the other day a wealthy couple. I think it was over in uh, what country was that? Anyway, um, it was a man and a woman. They were multimillionaires, and they disguised themselves. like wow. they, And they went to an Indian tribe, a reservation somewhere. And they tried to come in as imposters, like they were workers, and they got busted. So mm. you can just mm. imagine what it would be like around the pool of Bethesda when the angel came and troubled the water, all of the people fighting, trying to get in there first to receive their miracle. Kind of like what's going on today. Yeah. Um, I love verse 4, which says, The angel of the Lord went down in a certain season. So we see that it was God's will for his people to be made whole. And he provided an opportunity for his people, whoever was sick, to be made whole. So we thank God for that. That tells us a little bit about God and what he thinks about us and how much he cares for us and what he provides for us. Let's keep mm -hmm. reading. Verse 5. And a certain man was there which had an infirmity, a sickness, for 38 long years. And when Jesus saw him lying, there he knew that he had been there a long time in that case, in that situation, in that condition. So Jesus saw him, and he understood the condition that he was in. And so that's mm. encouraging for us because Jesus sees our plights in life. He sees our situations. He sees the things that we're facing. And not only does he see them, but he understands them. And I thank God that we have a Savior who was touched with the feelings of our infirmities, who was tempted in all points, that we are tempted yet without sin, that we have a compassionate Lord, a Savior that loves us and cares about us, and he sees us. We're not invisible to God. We may be invisible to the government. We may be invisible to family and friends, but we're not invisible to God. So I think we should give God a thanks for that. Give him a little praise mm -hmm. offering. Lord, we thank you that you see us and yeah. you understand what we're going through. Because Jesus went through it. Let's keep reading. Verse 6. Four, verse five. 6. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Ron. And Jesus said unto him, he asked him a question. Will thou be made whole? He didn't perform any miracle. He didn't do anything for this gentleman that was sick for 38 long years. Jesus didn't do a thing until he asked him this question. And uh, this is a rhetorical question, really, but it does require an answer. And so Jesus is saying to us the same question. What do you want? What do you want me to do for you? And so now the man had to decide what it was that he wanted, what his expectations were, 
what he needed, what he wanted. And let's see what his response is and see if we can relate to anything that the man says in verse 7. And the impotent man answered him, Sir, I have no man. So his focus wasn't on what God could do for him. His focus was on what people could do for him. And how many times do believers, instead of reaching out to God first, they reach out to people, and that's where the disappointment comes. Right. See, that's how we get disappointed. When we are expecting people to do for us only what God can do for us. So we really set ourselves up for disappointment when our expectation is not in God and we place it in people. Can we relate to that? Yes. Because we all have needs and wants and we expect those who are around us to reciprocate, give and take. We give to them. We expect them to give back to us. But we know it's not always the case. Sometimes we're on the giving end and find it very difficult on this receiving end. Nothing in end. return. <laughs> Nothing <Right>. in return. <laughs> so whether we're dealing with our children, whether we're dealing with brothers and sisters, people at the church, and if we're not careful, we can become disappointed and disillusioned in our human relationships. Mm-hmm. Any of you want to make any comments on that? I don't know if anybody let you down that you were expecting to help you. Um, they're, they're, from mm-hmm. time to time, you, I've, I've come across that. But um, that's, you know, why we can't rely on people all the time. <laughs> oh, you learned that from experience, right? <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And I, I, I tend to approach it with not um, wanting or, or, you know, I don't really rely on anybody to help me personally. You know, I, right. I don't put You're... my all my in, in, into that, you know, I just. Yeah, you don't even go there. No, Because you, you don't want You but, don't want to be disappointed. You don't want to depend on others. You want to be self-sufficient, independent. But is that a good and way to live, Ron? For me? Yeah, to be I self I never expect anything in return if I give. Right. I, I never, I don't question it, you know. Don't, don't question it, huh? That's what I was going to say. Whatever I do for anyone, I do it from my heart, not yeah. looking for anything back in return. And that's what Jesus told us, give, expecting nothing in return. The, give, other, problem, the other problem that comes up with me is that I still remember all that I've given. <laughs> <laughs> And all the people who owe you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, yes. Oh, boy. <laughs> yes. Um, yes, that, did. that opens up a whole other thought process for me, but I'm not going down that road. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so he said, I have no man. I have mm-hmm. nobody around here that can help me. Everybody's mm-hmm. in for themselves. Everybody's looking out for themselves. I have nobody around here to help me. Um, mm. Mm. Okay, I'm going to leave that alone because I got some other thoughts, but I don't want to go down there. I want to stay with the text. All righty, let's go on. 
So let's see what his response is. He said, Jesus, I have no man. When the water is troubled, there's nobody to put me in the pool. But while I'm coming, another step it before me. So even if I tried to get in the pool, I couldn't get there quick enough because somebody stepped in front of me and got my mm -hmm. miracle, got my blessing. Whoa. <laughs> So how do we how do we level the playing field? How do we level the playing field? In a in a doggy dog, you know, get all you can get kind of environment. How do we level that playing field? Yeah. I, I don't know. And, and for him it's tough because, you know, he he's um He's an invalid. So He's an invalid. It's, it's, uh, yeah. So, I mean, the odds are already against him. He's already striking out before he even gets moving. Right. So the question is, what does this have on your mentality? Or what do you think it had on his mentality about he getting what he thought, wanted? You know, I'll never get well. I'll, I'll, I'll never, never get, get well. All, yeah. these sick all these sick people around me. And there's not enough people to help us all to get in the water at the same time. Um, yeah. that, that begins to affect the way that you think about right. life and circumstances. Right. Mm. Mm -hmm. And that's what Jesus was dealing with when he asked him that question. What do you want? Mm -hmm. So let's read on and see what else we can gather from this text. Verse 8. And Jesus said unto him, now, this is important now. This is important because all of the excuses that he gave Jesus, Jesus never dealt with any of those excuses. Now, I'm going to ask you the question, why? Why didn't Jesus deal with all, all these excuses he was coming up with? Because it wasn't so much, it wasn't about getting in that water. It's what he believed, his see, belief, I think. See, it's what he believed. That's right. right. Mm -hmm. It wasn't about the people and the water and the pool and the people. Are, it wasn't about them. Right. And so we have to be careful that we don't make our case about our circumstances, about mm -hmm. the conditions around us. Because we know that conditions are subject to change. Amen. Mm -hmm. That's right. Yeah. You know? So yeah. before his so before his conditions could change, his attitude had to change first. His belief system Believe, had to right. change first. So Jesus could have stood there and said, wait a minute, everybody. The angel is getting ready to come. Jesus could have took charge of the environment. He could have said, all of y'all wait until I put the man in the pool. I mean, Jesus could have dealt with all that. But he never did. Because he knew that wasn't the real problem. What was the real problem that this man was dealing with? How he felt, you know, his thoughts. His, his thoughts, belief. his, belief. his beliefs. That's his right. Because he didn't believe he had a chance in a thousand or a million to get in that pool. And so mm -hmm. what happened is that he resigned. Mm -hmm. 
He accepted it. He mm-hmm. settled. And it's very easy for believers to settle and to resign and to give up mm-hmm. and just say it's always going to be like this. I'll never get healed. Mm-hmm. I'll never have this. I'll never get that. I'll never be happy. See, it's so easy for us just just to, to settle in and just to resign and talk our way out of it and talk about the problems. And see, the thing that you and I, we as believers, have to be careful about is that sometimes Satan will place even negative believers around us. Mm. To say, oh, girl, you ain't going through anything. Let me tell you about my problems and tell you about my situation. And even doctors will do that. Even doctors will tell you about other patients and how they didn't survive and how they didn't make it. And you sit here like, I don't want to hear about them. I'm an individual, you know. So he had resigned, he settled. Not for God's best. Then another problem that I see in this text is that he did not recognize who was before him asking him, what do you want? That's another problem. Because God will send people in our lives to help us in areas, if that is his way of doing it. But if we don't recognize who they are and what they can do, then we can't benefit from that relationship. Mm. So he didn't recognize that he was standing before Jesus Christ, the Son of the living God, who has all power and ability in his hands, that can do everything and anything but fail. He didn't realize that he was looking at his answer face to face. It was standing right there. He didn't recognize who Jesus was. But Jesus loved him so much, in verse 8, look what he said to him. He gave him a command. He says, rise and take up your bed and walk. Faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the word of God, Romans 10, 17. So what Jesus gave him is what he needed. The word, truth. And when he heard that word, that living truth, faith sprung up. Because faith comes by hearing and hearing and hearing the word of God. And so that's why it's so important for us to give people hope. And give people the opportunity to develop their faith by telling them what God wants for them and what God can do for them. Telling them of the promises of God that are available to them to give them hope. Hope Mm. and faith goes hand in hand. Hope is for the future. Faith is now. Now faith Hope for the future. We need both. So Jesus gave this man the word. He heard it. 
with his own ears. And look what happened in verse 9. And immediately the man was made whole. So what did the man do? He got For up. his miracle. He got up. Got he up. did he, he did so, he obeyed. He did something that he never was able to do. He made a decision. He made a decision that I'm not going to lay here for the rest of my life. He made a decision that I'm going to get up out of this place. So the old folks used to say, if you take one step, have you all ever heard that? God will take two? Yeah. Is that biblical? Or is that just something the old, the people in the church used to tell us? If you take one step, God will take two. Is that in the Bible? That I couldn't tell you. I don't, I don't know for sure. No, that's not a scripture of the Bible, but the principle right. is there. The principle is in the Bible. God will give us a command to do something. That means acting on our faith to do something. So there's a believer who's unemployed. <laughs> And he or she is either looking for a job, what must they do? They must put it into action. Oh, they got to do something. Yeah. Right? Exercise. Yeah. yeah. So, so, so God is waiting for us to do something. He's waiting for us to act on what we really believe. Because if we really believe, we're going to do something. Think about that. If people really believe that medicine is going to help them, what are they going to do? They're going to take it. They're going to take the medicine. I mean, if you really believe, right? Yeah. 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 Right? That's right. So, so the problem is we resign. We don't do anything. And God wants us to exercise our faith. He wants us to act. Make right. a decision to act on what we believe. So, God forbid, if somebody gets sick and they believe the doctors can make them feel better, what must they do? They're going to go to the doctor. Make an appointment. <laughs> I mean, that's common sense. I mean, it's really practical, isn't it? It's really common sense. So, the man acted on what he decided, what he believed. And he received. He received his miracle. All right, so what did we learn from this story? This little story. What do you guys get from this? Well, you have to act on your belief. And if you truly believe that the outcome is going to be in your favor, then act on it. Act like and, it. And, right. Yeah. And don't let whatever the circumstances keep you back from what you believe in. You know, Amen. So if we wait around for the circumstances to change before we act, we may be waiting a long time. Mm -hmm. Think about that. Well, so we so got about the people that acted on uh, <laughs> during the, uh, the the problem at the White House. I mean, they truly believe that the they really believe what Donald Trump said in the other. Yeah. Republican senators, they really believe those they people's words. 
that the election was stolen. Yeah. So so they exercise faith in a lie. See, you can exercise faith in a lie as well as the truth. Right. Mm-hmm. Faith comes by hearing, and unbelief comes by hearing. They both work the same way. It's what you hear. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You see? So that's a lesson that we can learn why truth is so very important. That's why Jesus said, and you shall know the truth, and the truth yeah. shall make you or set you free. Truth. And that's, that's what Satan, and that's what Satan doesn't want us to, 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 to know. And that's what the government, not, I'm not going to say the government, but there, some systems in our society wants to keep us ignorant. Keep right. us ignorant. So we don't know mm-hmm. what's available to us. We don't know what programs are available to us. We don't know where to go and what to do. So we have to be informed to make intelligent decisions. And this is what Jesus, I can see, I can learn that from this little simple story in St. John chapter 5. Amen. So let's let's deal with another area of decision making. And we want to deal with the area of unbelief. The opposite of believing. So sometimes to define a word... It's good to find out what the opposite of that is so that we can stay away from the opposite of that. So um, let's go to the book of Hebrews chapter 4. Hebrews chapter 4. And we're going to look at the nation of Israel and what their problem was. The nation of Israel. Okay. And this, is, and this is important to us as believers because Israel was the Old Testament church. It was a church in the Old Testament. And so the Israelites, the Hebrew people, or the Jewish people, were God's chosen people, and God gave them all the promises, all the covenants, all the laws. He gave it all to that one nation. He gave them every promise. Every law, every statue, all the covenants, Abraham and all his descendants, they had everything. And the Gentiles were on the outside looking in. A Gentile is every, something that's not a Jew, not Jewish. So if you're not Jewish, you're Gentile. So God gave it all to the chosen people. Let's see what they did with it. Hebrews chapter 4, verse 1. Are you there? Yes. Okay, I'm going to read and just follow with me. Chapter 4, verse 1. Let us therefore fear. Um, all fear is not bad fear. We, 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 we have healthy fear and we have unhealthy fear. Did I teach you the lesson on fear before? The difference between healthy fear and unhealthy fear? Did we have that lesson before? I, I believe I've, I've had it, but I don't recall. Okay, well, yeah. make, a, make a little note of that. That's yeah. another Bible study. Mm-hmm. That's another Bible study. That'll take some time to unpack that. Okay. But all fear is not bad. There's some fear that can save our lives. Healthy fear, 
reverence for God. God is a consuming fire. We need to have a respect and a reverence for God. Uh, we need to be afraid of putting our hand in the fire. There are certain mm -hmm. things that we should be afraid of in a healthy sense. But then there is also the spirit of fear. 2 Timothy 1.7 God has not given us the spirit of fear or torment mm -hmm. but of love, power, and a sound mind. So there is unhealthy fear and there's healthy fear. This is healthy fear that the, that the writer of Hebrews is talking about here in verse 1. Let us therefore fear healthy fear less a promise being left us of entering into his rest. Any of you should seem to come short of it. So what the Hebrew writer is saying to the Hebrew Christians is that be fearful, be concerned that you don't lose the promise or miss the promise, the things that God has in store for you. Be fearful that you fail to enter in to what God has provided for you. Take that seriously that <clears throat> there is a potential for you not to enter in and receive God's promises that he has in store for you. That is not an automatic given. That the way that you enter in is not through unbelief, but by believing. That's how we receive. Any questions there? Yeah. Um, so be fearful that you might miss out, huh? Miss out. <laughs> Most definitely. Yeah. Because there are promises and blessings that are available to us that we don't want to forfeit. We don't want to lose. We don't want... You know, to miss. Mm -hmm. So that fear should be, that fear should motivate us. It should motivate right. us to make sure that we get what God has in store for us. Does that make sense to you? So um, I'm trying to make it make sense to me. So you're saying that we're to be fearful? And care, uh, it's a good fearful. It's a good fearful. It's a motivating um, fear mm -hmm. to position yourself to believe right. It's a motivating fear. It's the fear of not getting what God has for you. So when you say um, it's a good fear, so it's a healthy the, fear. It's a healthy fear. So what what I'm trying to see now to to always do right to try yeah. to do right right it's it, it's a healthy fear dorothy for you to do your work at home even when you don't feel like it even when you may want to do some other things but you know if i don't do that work what is the fear if you don't do your work mm -hmm. what you're what are you afraid of if you don't do your work yeah. You're afraid you know, of being fired. Me, you're, yeah. <laughs> you're afraid uh, of being fired, right? Okay. You, you're afraid yeah. of the money won't come in to pay the bills. So you're motivated, yeah. 
because yeah. of that fear. Does that make sense to you? Yeah. Ron, that's what gets up it gets us up in the morning to go to well, we're retired now. But that yeah, got us right. up that right? That's right. So you didn't have to deal with Dorothy and the kids if you didn't bring any money home. So you had a good motivation. <laughs> it was a healthy fear. <laughs> wow. <laughs> yeah. And that's a good fear. Mm -hmm. All righty. So let's read on. For unto us was the gospel preached as well unto them. Listen to this now. Unto us, when Paul says, when the writer of Hebrews say unto us, he's speaking to these believers that he's writing to, but he's also speaking to believers throughout all ages. Does that make sense to you? Okay. So just like the gospel was preached to the Jewish people in the Old Testament. Well, some of you are saying, well, I thought the gospel didn't start till the New Testament. No, 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 no. Hmm. When you study Galatians, chapter 3 and chapter 4, the Bible talks about that the gospel was preached to Abraham. And what was that gospel? What was that good news that, would, that was preached to Abraham in Genesis chapter chapter 12. What was that gospel that was preached to the Hebrew people throughout the Old Testament? In Genesis chapter 12, it was the promise that Abraham would become the father of many nations. That was the gospel. Yeah. Because Jesus Christ, the seed of Abraham... Jesus Christ, the seed of Abraham, came through Abraham's loins. All the way down through 42 generations. When Jesus, the Son of God, was born to Mary. So when God gave Abraham that promise, the gospel, that he would become the father of many nations, it was a reference to the coming of Christ through the lineage of Abraham and his descendants. See, that was the gospel. That was the good news. So it was preached in the Old Testament for hundreds of years. The gospel, the good news, was preached that the Messiah is coming. Mm -hmm. The Messiah is coming so that you can be saved and delivered. The Messiah is coming. So this is what the Hebrew writer is talking about when he says that the gospel was preached unto them as well as unto us. But, look what it says, the word, that's the gospel, which was preached unto them, did not profit them. They didn't benefit from it. Why? Because it was not being mixed with faith and them that heard it. So what is that saying to us there? Not being mixed with faith. The word that was preached. They didn't share it. It says not shared. Hmm. The faith of those who obeyed. Um. 
So they were preached, they were preached the truth. They were preached the gospel. They heard it. It was preached to them. But where that what they failed in, instead of using instead of using the faith that came from the hearing, the faith of God that came from the hearing, instead of incorporating that in what they heard or mixing that in what they heard by acting on what they heard, they failed to do that. Okay. Can I give you an example of that? Sure. Okay, you come to church on Sunday morning. The pastor gets up, he starts his sermon, and he says to the people in the congregation, and you're sitting there, I've got a word from God for you this morning, and I want y'all church to receive it. And what did the church say? What amen. do they say? And they say amen. And what does amen and what does amen mean? It's confirmed. I mean, it means it's so. Okay, Pastor. Okay, you said you got a word. I heard you. My faith says amen is so. That's what amen says. Right? So he preaches the he preaches the sermon. Half an hour, forty five minutes, he preaches it. And this is what he tells the people. God says that some of y'all folks sitting here in the church are always coming to receive, but when it comes time to give in the offering, as God has prospered you, you hold back. And when you hold back on God, you affect your blessings. And the people look at him and they hear that, and now, what do you think they're thinking right now? Oh, that preacher's just trying to get my money. Uh, uh -huh. You see all this stuff? Mm. Oh, I don't believe that. I tried that before. <laughs> so he gives the benediction. And they walk out. And they think about the sermon. And a few of them are having conversations out there in the parking lot. And you can imagine what some of the saints are talking about or what are they talking. Yeah. And then you got some that believe what he said was true. And you got another portion that don't believe and say, well, you know, um, who is he to tell me what I should do with my money? I work for my money. Nobody tells me what to do with my money. So you got all these different beliefs. But then you got one person sitting in the congregation, or a few, that really believes what the preacher says. They really take it to heart. They talk to God about it. They pray about it. It's on their mind all through the week. They really believe what the preacher says. And come that next Sunday, they say, I'm going to give my best offering in response to what the preacher said, he said he had a word from God, and this is what God is telling me to do, and I'm mixing it with my faith by acting on what the preacher said in the sermon by bringing my best offering. And then when the offering plate comes around, what do they do? Well, 
those who are acting truly from what the preacher preached and really believe to put the money in, in it, right and what the belief if they really believe now first, okay right? then they'll put the money in the offering uh and they're going to and, and they're going to believe and expect right because the preacher mm -hmm. says that god is going to open up the windows of heaven and pour you out a blessing that you're not going to have room to receive and you really believe that mm -hmm. and if you really uh -huh. believe that then you're going to give according mm -hmm. to your ability what you're mm -hmm. able to give you're going to be obedient see mm -hmm. faith faith true genuine faith leads to obedience to god's word true mm -hmm. faith gives us the courage the courage right. to believe to act on what god says and see that's why a lot of believers don't get the promise they don't get the blessing because they're not faithful enough they don't believe enough to really do what god requires of them does that make sense to you? does that make sense mm -hmm. makes a lot of sense yeah. okay let's make it real practical Alrighty. Uh, your son is 12 years old. Who's the oldest, your son or daughter? Who's daughter. the oldest? Daughter. Okay. Daughter. Okay, what's the age difference? A year and six months. Okay, a year and six months. So one's 12 and the other one is 13 and a half or whatever. Alrighty, so you come in the house. You're in the house. You're getting ready to go out. You and Ron, Dorothy, you're all getting ready to go out to parents. And you say to your children, 12 and 13, Y'all clean up the house today, and when I come back, I'm going to take y'all shopping. And so what do they do? They clean up. Are you sure? Mm -hmm. Because you, you told them they're going to go shopping. If okay, so, shop, so, so, you, so you told them, and they believe the integrity of your word. Why did they believe the integrity of your word? Um, I guess maybe from doing, you know, treating them from before. See that? They trust you. You got a track record with them. That when mommy and daddy say they're going to do something, in other words, you can take it to the bank. Right. You, can you can depend on them because they're not going to lie to us. They're not going to lie to us. They're telling us the truth. So they chose to believe what you told them. So you go out. You and Ron, you come back. The house is all cleaned up. They're dressed and ready to go. <laughs> <laughs> they dressed and ready to go. Then all of a sudden, all of a sudden, Dorothy, you said, oh, kids, I can't go today. I'm a little tired. I'm not going. Let's do it next week. And what do they say? No, they they start crying. They're you, you promised us. You, we cleaned up the house. You promised us. You promised us. You you promised us, mommy, daddy. You promised us. We cleaned up the house. You lied. You lied to us. You told us you were going to take them, and you lied to us. Now that was a true story that happened to me as a child, and I think I might have shared that with you. And I'm not going into that. But my mother Ooh. promised to do something, and she changed. And I called Ooh. her a liar. And she Ooh. took she took and popped me upside the head and took my hair and almost wrung it off. 
Mm-hmm. Now, was I at fault or was she at fault? Well, who was, the, um, who was the blame for that confusion? I guess your mother, but you know what? You, <laughs> you don't know. <laughs> she made you the promise, but something could have happened. Right. And something could have happened, and then you should wait to hear, you know. Right. Yeah, things come up. And it's not to say that she won't do it, you know, make up for it. So should she have explained something to me? Because she just ran in and ran back out. Her sister was in the car waiting for her. She ran in and said, we're not going, and ran back out. Yeah. And I was calling her like, come back. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. We're all ready to go. Mm -hmm. We were expecting to go. Yeah. (laughs) So that's a practical example. Yeah. See, that's a practical example. What's a, what affects our faith in relationship to God? What affects our faith? What affects our faith is our human relationships with those who are in authority over us. Our mm-hmm. teachers, mm-hmm. our preachers, our leaders, our parents. See, all of that affects our faith growing up. Mm-hmm. Because if you can't believe your father and mother, how are you going to go down the street and believe the preacher? Mm. Think about that. Yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So the people, <clears throat> the people didn't believe in Moses and Aaron, and uh, they didn't believe in God's leadership. They complained. They did just the opposite. They, they, they served idol gods. Who are you, Moses, to tell us what we're to do? Who do you think you are? This God that you're talking about, we don't even see him. Mm-hmm. And God did miracle after miracle after miracle after miracle, and what happened? They, they still didn't uh, They still didn't believe. believe. Right. Mm-hmm. So that's why miracles don't build faith. What builds faith Mm -hmm. is the word of God and his promises and hearing is what builds our faith, not the miracles. Because you have a lot of folks that God did a lot of things for them from their childhood to adulthood and they sitting up in the church every Sunday and still don't believe. Mm. Mm -hmm. And they sing the song, My Soul Looks Back in Wonder how I got over. We sing that song in church. How I got over. My soul looks back and wonder how I got over. No, 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 no. We don't wonder how we got over. We know how we got over. Amen? We know that it was God that brought us over. Oh, yeah. Amen. Amen. But some of us, some of us don't recognize that. Don't yes. recognize. No, and see, I don't want to give God the credit. So it starts in the home <clears throat> to tell our children about our struggles and how we started out in life and how God blessed us and how God helped us and that if God can do this for your parents, He can do this for you. Uh, uh, you know, they were born into 
a, a nice, comfortable situation, so they think that's the way life is. No, 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 that's not the way life is. <laughs> the way you were born, the way our children were born in, you know, it, that's not the way real, that was not real the way life was for us. That's the way it was for you. So by the time you came on the scene, we had a house or we had a car and we had food and we had all these things. But we didn't start out like that. And our parents right. didn't start out like that. <laughs> you know, they had to work. They had to save. You know, they had to go through a lot of racism and Jim Crow. They had to get from one country to the next. They had to go through something to get here. And so we can appreciate that now, but we also have to remind our children how we got mm -hmm. here, how we got over. And that's right. what God instructed the Israelites to do from one generation to the next. How God delivered them from Pharaoh and bondage. How God did this and how God did that. And all of that is in Psalm 78. You can read that for, for homework. As a reminder, God reminds them of all the things that he did for them so they wouldn't forget, so they would have faith to believe right. in the future. So my attitude is, with that being said, I, um, you know, our kids, they don't tend to appreciate, believe. They, they don't believe. appreciate or, or they brush it off. And, or well, brush it off. back in your time. That was you know, back in your time. Mm -hmm. So I'm thinking, well, there's only one way. They're going to find out as they, <laughs> they'll find out the hard way. They're going to find out what the real yeah. world is like. They define out. Mm -hmm. and, and we laugh and say, find out the hard way. Yeah. Do we really believe that? Do we really want them to find out the hard way? We don't. So we try to, you it's know, true. let them know the struggles we've had. And do we protect, do we protect them from that? We do. We do try to protect them. But mm. at, at the same time, we, too we, much. It's too we, bad. Yeah, we realize that, yeah, they, they have to learn on their own. You know, you learned, um, Dorothy, you learned on your own. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Ron, you <laughs> learned on your own. <laughs> Did I? Oh, yeah. Can't protect them from everything, but, you know. Um, you can. We can prepare them. Right. Yeah. That's it. And okay. if we prepare them, then they'll make it. And we prepare them by them putting their faith not in us so much, but in God. Right. Because he's our source. Because sometimes mommy and daddy going to let you down. We don't want to let them down. We want to always try to keep our word. And I think we have a pretty good track record, but we're not perfect. Our heart is perfect, but sometimes our performance is not perfect. And so we need a little, a little space there, too, for them to be reasonable with us. Because our heart is perfect, but sometimes our performance is imperfect. Because we're mm -hmm. human. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah. So they come to us, and we want to help them, but sometimes we may have to say yes, and sometimes we may have to say no, and sometimes we might have to say wait. Mm -hmm. And they need to understand that and not take right. no as a rejection, that you're holding something back because you say no. No can yeah. be good. It doesn't have to be bad all the time. That's right. Yeah. 
So that so concludes our Bible study today. Our, our, we've run out of time, and we just hit the tip of the iceberg. Wow, that went fast, man. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so in our closing, uh, mm -hmm. let's close with the reading of this scripture, and then we'll close here, okay? And I'll get your comments. Okay, that's chapter 4 of Hebrews. I don't know if you closed your Bible. <laughs> no, it's still open. But no, I'll, just, I'll keep reading. Okay, verse 3. For we which have believed do enter into rest, as he saith, I have sworn in my wrath. If they shall enter into my rest, although the works were finished from the foundations of the world. All right, and we're going to slip down to verse 6, and we'll pick up next week. Seeing therefore it remaineth that some must enter therein, and they to whom it was first preached entered not in because of unbelief. Mm -hmm. The mind That's says because they... of their disobedience. Yeah. Okay, their unbelief led to disobedience. Yeah. Obedience, faith leads to obedience, and a lack of faith leads to disobedience. Wow. Yeah. You see? So we're going to stop right there. So what did you get from this lesson, um, Ron and Dorothy, in our closing? What can we take away from this? Um, well, just be true to your faith and, and just, you know, believe. That, that you will get what you ask for. <laughs> <laughs> so that that's what that's what we call believing the Bible way, believing correctly. <laughs> yeah, you but, will yeah. get what you right. Very good, Ron. Very good. And, and uh, don't let your circumstances hold you back from what you believe in. Mm. Um, what you want. Mm. Because circumstances are subject to change. Right. Just like right. the weather. Mm -hmm. You can be broke today and be be wealthy tomorrow. Mm -hmm. Wow. Amen. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I certainly enjoyed our Bible study. And, uh, you know, um, I right. look forward to next week, Lord willing. Amen. Uh, yes, Lord willing. All right. Would somebody like, like to close in prayer? Okay. Father God, we thank you for another study, Lord, to apply your word, Father God, to our lives. We ask that you continue to bless each and every one of us, Lord. Bless George in a special way and his family, dear God. Thank you for your answered prayers, for all that we've been asking, Lord, and praying for and believing in you to bring forth healing to those who need it from you, Lord. We, we see changes happening, Lord, and we're so grateful, Father God. Lord, we just ask you to continue to guide us and, and let us see your light and follow your, your footsteps, Lord, because without you, God, in our lives, we are nothing. So thank you, God, for being the God that you are, Father. And um, for all that you provide for us, Lord, we are truly grateful. Thank you for your many blessings, and Lord, thank you for your son, Jesus. And it is in his precious name that we say amen. Amen. It is so. Amen. I have received it. Thank you. All right, beloved, yeah. I'm going to sign off until we meet again. <laughs>